the NFL stands for not for long. Set Sharga and Armstead. Roll out. Walker still running out. Looks to the left. Wide open. Thompson touchdown. Colin Thompson with the touchdown. There was nobody within 20 yards. What of a catch off the bobble. Colin Thompson scoops it up. Lofting quarter of the end zone. It is caught for the touchdown. The first NFL touch for Colin Thompson is a score. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Colin Thompson Show. Brought to you by Not For Long Media and our friends at Fudge Kitchen. It's not too late to get your sweet fudge shipped to the house. It's a great New Year's gift as well. And uh, they will always, always just come with a nice pack of that sweet, savory saltwater taffy. Perfect for gifts. And if you can get down the Jersey Shore, you can buy it at those locations. But if they don't, they ship it across the country, Fudge Kitchen's. Com, the perfect gift for this holiday season. A little bit different, a little fun, a little unique, as I say. Jack, happy holidays, my friend. How are you? I'm sensational as always, Colin. You know, moving and shaking. How many shows have you produced today, Jack? This is number seven. Would have been eight. We've had some cancellations, but listen, I want to wish everybody a Happy holiday season, a safe and happy holiday season. Merry Christmas, happy new year, happy Hanukkah, whoever and whatever you are celebrating. I hope you enjoy it with family, friends. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing time of year of getting together, spending time with family. And we can't thank you enough here at Not For Long Media. We have a bunch of shows and some amazing sponsors, supporters, friends, family, and our amazing team here at Not For Long Media, our editors, our producers, our hosts, thank you. And thank you to all those folks I talked about, our sponsors, our media, everybody. It's been a fantastic run. We're going to continue to pile forward. We have a great, great plan for 2024. So blessed to have new shows like Fair But Firm with Larry Flowers, Burns and Berman, Sideline Hustle, Breaking Bats, Sam Boner Show, AG, Showtime Speaks, Trending Thoughts. We are so, so fortunate to have an amazing team here at Not For Long Media. We're fortunate for our sponsors, and we're fortunate for you all, the followers, the listeners, those that share it, support it. It's been a crazy run from you know sitting outside the Giants facility with a trash bag in my hand when I had emergency appendectomy, and I, they told me, Hey, you're going to be fine. We're going to bring you back. And they, and they never did. And uh, I got cut. And I said, what am I going to do now? NFL stands for not for long. And here we are with not for long media with all these different shows. So wishing everybody a happy holiday season. Thank you for tuning in. We got lots to talk about, Jack. Lots to talk about. We're going to start with the Eagles. I think we have to. I think there's lots to unpack. Why are they sliding? How are they sliding? What's that roster look like? Why is it so good and they're struggling? It's the second best roster in the NFL behind the Niners, in my opinion. People say it's coaching, defensive back play. I'm going to start here. I'm going to start here. And this is just kind of a unique take that I think, uh, you know, I've seen a couple of people mention a little bit, but I really want to dive in on it. I think Jalen Hurts has graduated from this offense. I think the Eagles have graduated from this offense. The offensive scheme that, has to work again in the salary cap NFL we live in. What the Niners run, what the Rams run, what the Vikings run, what the Dolphins run under center play action pass. 
number one thing that offense does, it allows you to run the football and do play action pass. The number two thing, it masks your weaknesses because you don't really have tells. You can hide things in how you build that offense. You can motion, you can shift, or you can line up in the same formation every single play and run a hundred different plays. But in this modern error shotgun offense, there's a lot of tips and tells that tell you and tell the defense and tell the scouting report and tell the defensive coordinators what you're doing. There's nothing wrong with it. The Eagles had a ton of success with it, tons. But when you pay the quarterback that much money, you pay the center that much money, the right tackle that much money, the two wideouts that much money, all of a sudden, there could be weaknesses. And sometimes those weaknesses could be on the other side of the ball. They could be on special teams. They could be wherever it may be. But there's only so many assets a team has. This is not just talking about the Eagles. This is talking about everybody. You see what the Niners can do with a quarterback on a rookie contract. You could build an all-star team with very little weaknesses. And you can make the debate the Eagles offense is just as talented as the Niners because the Eagles O-line is better. You can only name one O-lineman for the Niners. You can name probably four or maybe all five for the Eagles if you're just a casual NFL fan or semi-serious casual casual football fan. So to me, I think it's, it's some sort of graduation. doesn't mean the coaches are bad. All those coaches run all different offenses. But you got to start that now, not now, but in the offseason. So I would think something's going to change there. Not like coaches are going to get fired or anything. Nothing's like that crazy negative. It's just time to get a little old school and under center. And I think that's how it's going to go. I think they've graduated from the RPO game. Jalen doesn't move as much. He's definitely banged up a little bit. And I think to allow him to flourish, to earn that contract, to win Super Bowls, because I've said it before, I think he's Michael Jordan of football. The guy improves and gets better and has ice in his veins. The guy is the guy you want to bank on. Trust me. But I think it's time to graduate. Jack, what say you? Yeah, I mean, I sound probably like every single stereotypical fan, and there's probably a very specific reason they're not doing it. I mean, they just need to... I mean, Jason Kelsey, again, probably the smartest player in the field. I think it was on WIP today as we're recording, said we need more explosive players on offense or something to that effect. And I think the opposite, like I said, I'm probably wrong in this, but I just feel like they need to run the ball a lot more. I forget what game was. It was week three, four, five, somewhere around that period. They, it was, they were forced to run the ball a lot, and they just kept grinding. I think it was – they played Minnesota this year, right? I think it was actually against Minnesota. Early. They – yeah, and they were passing. Thursday night football. Thursday night football. I think week two. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was. So they were forced to. I don't know if they were forced to, but they adapted and ran the ball, and they were running it very successfully, and they leaned on it a lot. And Brian Johnson said something after the game, like I wasn't expecting to, but I just adapted. It was going on the game again, something to that effect. Not exact quote. And I just think that is exactly what they need to do. They need to just do some zone reach, just keep pounding it inside the tackles. None of them, I mean, they really haven't done a lot of outside tackle runs, but I just feel like they are so dominant in between trenches. Great. I know they have a lot of injuries. Landon Dickerson's banged up. Cam Jurgens has been in and out of the lineup, but Sue Opeta has been very good for this team. I mean, all of their rookies have and great every depth guy they have. They have yeah, great the roster is great, and the coaching staff's great. That's where people get in lost. When I mean, you think you're talking skiing, like, the coaches. I just think, Jack, like the zone read game's done, bro. Like you're just saying ramming up in there, and I and I agree. I hear you, buddy. Trust me. But like C Mac guessing the play, everybody freaked out about that. But when the tight end's deep off the football and you're in shotgun, 
and you're in a spread formation and it's a small little bunch to the left, 50% of the time they're going to run sort of bubble combination RPO with the bunch to the field. The single receiver is going to run some sort of slant. So if it's man-to-man or some sort of zone, he can sit in the hole if Jalen decides to pull it and throw it. And I think it was empty. So, you know, Jalen took a rocker step and hit it, and C-Mac was right. Like, I've had a lot of people text me about that. Is that a big deal? No. From the tight end position, I was watching and thought the same thing. And look at Romo's success rate when he came out of the league with the plays, right? Like, when you're in football, you just know. You know how it looks. You could see the O-line stances. There's like a million tells of what tells you. But when you're out a little bit, you kind of lose that intuition. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to sort of make a point on is, and I understood why they sort of did it initially, kind of keep defenses on their toes. They need to get away from these bubble screens, however much they use them. They need to de- decrease the amount significantly. I think the two biggest reasons were, like you said, screens are to keep defenses on their toes, but teams are expecting half the time that they're going to be throwing a bubble screen out there, whether it's the Goddard, Devonta, Julio, whoever. They are expecting it. They're anticipating it. And I just don't think their blocking on those screens have been that great. And Devonta is a very great wide receiver blocker, but I feel like sometimes they've had a lot of offensive pass interference, just a lot of blocking, holdings. They've just been caught on a lot of those those plays. And just a combination of those two things have killed that. And there have been so many drives this season, I feel, that have been killed by just screens for either two-yard gain or loss, and it's on second down, and they're stuck in a third and long situation. And there's no reason for it. I like the quarterback draws still personally. I think those have been successful for the most part. There was the one that, I mean, it was, they got six, seven yards and get the first down, but it was still a really good read. I, I have no issue with the quarterback draws, especially just they can imitate that so well and it's so seamless their offense, but the screens have just hurt this team so, so much. The only thing is if they had a really speedy guy, if they wanted to get out there right away, and they had somebody like Quez that could break it out there, but Quez has been struggling a lot this season. He's not really been successful with wide receiver screens because I knew they tried it beforehand. Everyone's struggling because you're not running the football, period. Like There's not a commitment to the run game. And look at Buffalo, guys. And I'm going to transition to Joe Brady and the Buffalo Bills. I've talked about on this show before. I I put him up for the award, whatever we called it for that one week, where you're gonna shovel the shovel award, where you're burying teams out back, but like you know they're gonna rise again and they're gonna be just fine. The Chiefs were candidates, the Bills, and the Bills were the main candidate. Season's over, Buffalo, this little mini dynasty they have working. No, Joe Brady played for him, disciple of Sean Payton, disciple of Matt Rule, if you will. They're both run the football guys. Joe's a run the football guy. He's had Joe Burrow and some awesome wideouts at LSU. Yeah, he wants to throw the ball. But at the end of the day, he knows in this league, you need to run the ball to be successful, period. Maybe you have to throw the ball to win in critical situations, but to control the clock, to impose your will, to set up the pass game, to allow yourself to be free-flowing offensively, the tempo when you run the football, tire on the defensive line out, who can wreck games, wreck Super Bowls, i.e. Von Miller, is bottom line, Joe Brady's impact on Buffalo has been absolutely massive, not talked about enough because – I mean, he turned the whole thing around. Joe's probably going to be up for head coaching jobs again. I mean, seriously, Josh Allen threw for under 100 100 yards. The Bills still won by multiple scores at home. If I told you that, you'd be like, no way the Bills are going to score win by 20 or whatever it was. And Josh Allen's going to throw for under 100 yards. Cook balled out. Sorry for everybody who took him on their fantasy team. I guess he's coming up big for you in the playoffs right now. But at the end of the day, like, what makes that Bills offense go and any good offense go is – when you can set up the run game off the pass game, period. And to answer Jason Kelsey's question, we need to set up more explosive pass plays. 100% right. How do you do it? 
Niners do it. Purdy doesn't throw it over 20 yards downfield. Why? Because everyone's scared to death of when the Niners run the football. And if you watch C-Mac run it, he's not, he, he's running right at the hole. Like he's like stares at the hole. And then boom, he cuts it at the right time every time. Like he didn't just take the bait, right? If like there's an open hole in the backside where guys just cut it right away, he'll press to the heels of the offensive lineman and then cut off of it and be gone. Like the, some of those runs should be nothing and he gets three yards. Those are the best runs to me, football nerd. So what do you think about the Niners, Jack? For real? Them and them in Baltimore, they're the top two, you think? How could you not think they're not real? I mean, they're about as real as the ground underneath us. I mean, there's Whoa. just is the ground underneath us real? No, I agree. I the hope Niners. so. I mean, I, am, I, am I falling through the earth right now? We are spinning very fast. I never got that. That always threw me off in like science and <laughs> geography, whatever class. I always, I'm like, wait, we're spinning right now? What do you mean? Uh, so, uh, Jack, I agree about the Niners, by the way. I just want to ask you your thoughts. It's so deadly. I've never seen a team. To put it in perspective, like when you put any offense into fantasy football, like if you ever just draft one team for fantasy football, they never do that great. Because, like, usually the focus is one or two guys. If you started the entire San Francisco 49ers skill weapons on your fantasy football team, you would win your league. Because all those guys are putting up 10. And that's just kind of one way to show how explosive every single one of these guys are on a week-to-week basis alongside everybody else. Like, Ayuk, Debo, like, they all have good weeks together. It's never just one guy dominating. It's the most beautiful and that's all comparisons. Probably very true. They are the most fun, fluent, overall dominant offense since the greatest show on turf Rams. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I think this team will steamroll their way to a Super Bowl just with how they're playing. There's no way around it. They're, and you, you got a defense that has Nick Boza and Chase Young opposite each other with seven other all pro caliber guys surrounding them. It's it's insane. Rookie quarterback. On a rookie deal, second year quarterback. UDFA or not UDFA, seventh round pick contract. Let alone, yeah, as Zion signing bonus probably like 80, 100. I don't know. God bless him. The nice thing about this league is it's week to week, Jack. And right now, my opinion, it's CMAC number one, Brock Purdy number two for the MVP. And you're starting to see it. The one thing I've noticed listen, the players of the Niners, the coaches for the Niners know how this award works. Yes, you need to play well. Yes, you need to make some big plays on the field. Yes, there needs to be some momentum. But also, there needs to be some push internally. George Kittle's talking about it. Purdy's talking about it. Kyle Shannon's talking about it. The whole team's talking about how C-Mac for MVP. And that guy, with the when the lights are the brightest, is going to show up and produce. He was my pick for MVP this year for that sole reason. And the fact that he is putting up the numbers he's putting up with Kittle, Ayuk, Jenning, Ustek, Debo. I mean, Purdy, like what? Like the guy is that good, that special, that gifted, but also matches it with the numbers and the intensity and the way he goes about his business. I know I talk about him all the time on here, but the guy is different. I personally think he's one of the greatest football players of all time. Like the guy can throw and pass and like what? And run and then the catch he makes, he gets up against Arizona. Oh, he's going to win the MVP. He should win the MVP, and he will ball out in these next three games. We'll see what happens. Our Niners going to be playing to get them MVP votes, get the number one seed, obviously, but also, like, say they have the number one seed down in a first-round bye. Do they give the players some time off the last game? Does that affect the voting? So something to keep an eye on there. Right now it's C-Mac Purdy and then Tyreek probably three, right? Lamar three, but Lamar – Tyreek played his way out of it, didn't play last week. Dak played his way out of it, didn't play great against Buffalo. Hurts has not played well in the last, like, kind of two weeks. 
So that's something to keep an eye on there. Yeah. I was just, I would put Dak in the third, just cause you look at all the other guys that are in that third place. Like Tyree kill missed the game. I mean, and just the fact that he's a wide receiver load and that already discounts him at the MVP race, which is a whole other conversation in itself. I think that takes him out of the running. Josh Allen didn't have a really good start to the season. I'm just looking at the, the top odds makers here. Lamar. Yeah. I think you could say Lamar is probably, I would say Lamar and Dak are kind of the three, four outside yeah. of, but to put a disparity on kind of, which I think this is crazy. And uh, I mean, Brock Purdy is minus 200 for the MVP odds. McCaffrey is plus 1000. That's some good beef. Here's the thing. They want him to win the MVP. Keep an eye on that game this week for C-Mac. Prime time. Tom Brady said. Ravens, you got Lamar, Purdy, and C-Mac competing on national TV for that award, for that award on Christmas night. For Santa and everyone else to watch. For Jack to you know just roll around in his gifts. He loves giving gifts. He's a good man. I think this too. Well, there's there's a lot to unpack there. But I think it's they're they're playing for their MVP race and they all know it. If Lamar can go on the road and roll out and put a really good game together on Christmas night, this is a big one for the Ravens. This is it. Super Bowl matchup, right? They're the two teams that'll pull away with it. Week to week league, and I'll say this too about Jalen Hurts. If the Eagles lost maybe one or two games in the start of that really tough tough stretch, and then maybe lost this game and went still three and three against that really tough stretch like Kansas City, Buffalo, Cowboys, Seattle, like People wouldn't be freaking out if they lost this game. On the road in Seattle, one of the hardest places to play in the league, pouring rain, cold, windy. Your quarterback's sick as a dog. You have injuries across both offensive and defensive line. Jalen flies by himself on a plane, goes to the game, and played, I don't know, pretty solid for the most part. The throw at the end of the game, no bueno. I get that, right? And I don't have a problem with the throw that got picked off to Quez in the back of the end zone. Now Quez has got to make a better effort to go get that ball and play defensive back in that case. But he also got pulled in the shirt and pulled out of it. That's the right ball. Quez has got to fight for it. And it's either my ball is the wide out or no one's ball. It's single eye safety. That's the throw. So everyone say, oh, what are you doing making that throw across the field? Uh, that's the throw. There's no debate. That's the guy. So listen, the bottom line is this. Keep, don't give up on Jalen Hurts. I don't even care if you do, because that dude's a warrior, a warrior since he was like squatting 600 pounds in eighth grade to a guy that couldn't throw to last year, lit up the entire league and has made some great throws to shoot too. Yes. There's some, some things he wants back. Absolutely. But if I told you all those things, road trip to Seattle, your quarterback's sick. You have injuries across the whole thing, fired defensive coordinator, the whole nine, you would say, you know what? They played pretty tough. Drew Locke just played great. Eagles will be fine. But now the sky's falling. It's a week-to-week league. The Eagles could lose the next three games. They're still in the playoffs. doesn't even matter. They could play great in the playoffs. What's the difference? Judge them week one in the playoffs. That's where you judge them. Of course, they can improve their chances and who they play based off how they do the next three games. But for me, when it really matters, it's the playoffs. They clinched it. And that's what matters to me. Jack's shaking his head about that throw. Come on, QB1. I don't think it's the fact about the throw. I think it's the fact of the play. Because well, you're halfway through the fourth quarter, you're in their territory, you're up seven. You know, oh, that the only thing you need to be doing at that point is just burning time off the clock and making it a two score game. I don't think that that should have been a play because the thing is, they had two big plays right before that. 
Like you don't need to push your luck with her. Like you made big throws downfield to begin with. You should just be running the ball. You were successful running the ball regardless. I mean, even then just short choppy throws. Like I get if that's the read and that's the throw on that play. I could not, I might, I won't disagree with that. I would just disagree with the fact of that shouldn't have been the play call. Well, that's a whole nother discussion in my opinion, but valid, valid point to bring up. I'm, I'm not saying it's an invalid point. I just, that's a whole nother, whole nother beats. Just like wealth advisory services. If you don't know them, you should wealth advisory services.com. I'll be heading the duels down this weekend. I have a little meeting with them. Talk about the future, 2024, 2025 plans financially for me personally, but also they do stuff with businesses. They do 401k planning. They help with your personal financial planning. Like I said, buying houses, setting up different things for retirement, whether you have a little bit of money or a lot of money, these are people that I trust, my family trusts. They've been just fantastic with us and my teammates, buddies in the league and coaches across college football. WealthAdvisoryServices.com. Check them out. Reach out to me. I'll send you Paul's contact and just give him a buzz directly. You know, Just touch base with a friend, really, because that's all Paul is first and foremost. Uh, but he also could be your advisor too, WealthAdvisoryServices.com. Dot com. Really cool stuff here out of Carolina and Chris Tabor. Chris Tabor is one of the best coaches and one of my favorite coaches I ever played for in Carolina. And he got his first win. Been a tough year in Carolina. They've been a little bit of a punching bag. Rainy weekend. They're playing Atlanta at home. Tickets were under a dollar. We get all that stuff. But at the end of the day, these are people too. And a lot of my great friends in football are in Carolina. Uh, it's my mainstay for me in my career. I'll always be a Panther. I love my time there, and part of me loving my time there was playing for Chris Tabor, who I played for with the Chicago Bears. I think you should be up for a job, and I think more special team coaches should be up for a job. And I'm going to read this because I think it's really interesting stuff here from Darren Grant and Panthers.com. There's an advantage to having your special teams coach in charge. As interim coach, Tabor was doing everything he could to steal every yard. He took a timeout in the first quarter so Johnny Hecker could punt with the win instead of against it. When it is time for a squib kick, to end the first half, he had linebacker Camille Grugier-Hill, former Eagle, replace Eddie Pinheiro, the kicker, to put an extra kicker on the field. There are margins. The margins were always going to be small in the NFL, especially in those conditions, and Tabor was scratching and calling for every yard. So that may seem like nothing to a casual fan, and maybe they maybe missed it, even if they were watching the game. But that's the importance of special teams in football. They won by a field goal. They milked the clock down with no time left, kicked a walk-off. And listen, we've seen a lot of games this year with a lot of really successful coaches and a lot of really successful people in this business that make these mistakes, clock management-wise. Special teams coaches have to know every situation because it affects them field position-wise, field goal, kickoffs, second half, coin flips, all that stuff, wind direction, so I hope special teams coordinators get a shot this year. I do. We're pulling coaches from college. We're pulling coordinators. We're pulling completely fair and just. But in my opinion, when's the last time a real, like a special teams coordinator, like I had a real shot to get a job. I don't know the answer to that, but Harbaugh in Baltimore to me is the one that comes to my head. And that was like a really long time ago. Joe Judge was special teams coordinator, correct? Yep. So Joe Judge. Joe Judge was. And a great football coach. Tough time in New York. Didn't work out. But Joe Brady got fired in Carolina. Everyone thought he was the worst coordinator of all time. Guy's doing a great job. Like Chris like uh, Chris Long said, a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic conversation, which I find myself always doing. Context is everything. Like look back at certain situations and see why 
he they this guy failed here or this guy failed there. Like it's not entirely their fault. Not enough blames on the players, but the problem is you can't blame the players because you're paying them. You can always blame a coach and fire them. So there's no salary cap on coaches. There's salary caps on players. So that's why you see a lot of coaches be scapegoats. Players go off in the wind, don't care, take their money, go home. So awesome stuff for Chris Tabor and special teams coaches around the league. I hope he gets a shot. I hope he gets a shot, Jack. Special teams are everything in this league. Really big deal. So we talked about Joe Brady's impact. Talked to Eagles. I want to touch on this, the importance of Dallas. The Excuse me. I want to touch on the importance of Dallas Goddard. This guy is massive for the Eagles. Absolutely massive. Like, there's few tight ends in the league that are complete players. Very few. When people say tight end, they think Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews. They don't really block. I know Travis doesn't. He's a wideout. Hall of Fame wideout and a really good one. And he's the best tight end of all time, one of them, right? But complete tight ends, the definition of the position. It's like George Kittle, Dallas Goddard. Tough list after that. I'm talking complete. I think Hawkinson's really good. I think Tyler, Tyler Higby's really good. I think Mark Andrews, really good. I think Najoku, really good and underrated. I think Pitts, underrated. I think Janu, underrated. There's some really good tight ends in this league. But guys that could do both, very few. Dallas Goddard's one of them. Major impact in the passing game. Major impact in the running game, especially for what the Eagles doing right now. The way he pulls around, the way he comes back across the formation, the little things he does in the blocking game is really, really important. They have to match certain coverage to him. That helps Jalen's eyes with coverage. So let's flip a bubble screen out to him. He'll block for bubble screens. So Dallas Goddard serves a drink for me. He stays healthy for the Eagles. They're going to accelerate and be just fine offensively. But when he's not in there, that's a different offense for me. Different offense for me. Jack, I got a question for you. Yes. Why don't NFL teams – when they clinch a playoff spot, celebrate like Major League Baseball teams when they clinch a playoff spot. That's a great question. I don't – I think it's a lot – I mean, I don't think – I don't know. That's a, that's actually a really good question. I, I find it amazing. Like, the NFL, any professional sports league, they're all hard. They all have their pros and cons when it comes to the – how physically demanding a sport is like baseball is not that physically demanding, but you play 162 games or whatever it is. And you're just, your focus is like, Oh my God, it's such a, I mean, it's a tough sport. Basketball, physical demand, plus a long season hockey boat, you know, physical demand and a long season, but football is like long season, a lot of practice, a lot of practice. I mean, a lot of practices and walkthroughs and lifts. It, it's long. It's really long. You only have one week off, and half the time you don't even get that week off. You get a, maybe a long weekend. It's physically demanding. It's mentally demanding, like every pro sport. It's tough on you know families, friends, the whole nine. But and you're compensated. We're not talking money. I get it. But why don't NFL teams celebrate like MLB teams when they win? Like when you clinch a playoff spot in the MLB, you may lose, but like the other team may win on the other side of like you know in the AL West. But there's champagne and there's, you know, beers going crazy in your, you know, your locker room, in the clubhouse. So why didn't the NFL do it? Like, why not? Get the goggles on. Get the champagne ready. Like, why do we only do that for one time when you win the Super Bowl? Like, what? It's so hard. And 
This league is brutal. It's hard to win in this league. It's hard to win a quarter or a half or three quarters, let alone win a game. I only won a couple, a couple times in Carolina. A couple times, five, ten. I don't even know if we have double-digit wins in three years. It's hard. So they should be celebrating the league, in my opinion. Jack should be getting a little nutty. Well, now we are celebrating after now, don't get me wrong. But we've got to celebrate as an organization. That allows people, to my opinion, to work harder, go deeper, do more. Because you get those moments you never get back. Those like 5, 10, 15 minutes where you're just spraying champagne on people, going crazy, and jumping in the cold tub after. Like, this is awesome, awesome. We need to soak it all in. So that's my challenge of the league, Jack. If I'm ever involved in football in some sort of way, our teams are doing it for sure. For sure. Just do it here at Not For Long Media, Jack. After every show, pop shot bottle champagne, spray it at each other through the cameras. Who knows? Maybe we'll be in person one day. I like anything that else. So I'm oh, not going to do that. What do you want for Christmas this year, Jack? Anything? What do I want for Christmas? If you had one million wish- bucks. Okay. Well, can't do that here at Not For Long Media, but we're trying our damnedest, pal. If you had one wish for Christmas in the sports world, what would it be? Sixers title. Sixers title? Other than I mean, title. that's. Other than championship, what would it be? I don't know. For the longest time, I always would have said Joel Embiid MVP, but he got his. What about like a certain player playing for one of your teams or like a head coach? Kyle Thompson playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. Well, that's very nice of you. I didn't see that one coming. Thank you. That'd be great. Um, I mean, mine would be Flyers Stanley Cup for sure. There's no better parade than that. You said no championship, though. I know. I was just curious. I was digging deep. No championship. I would oh. say probably Sidney Crosby would be a flyer. Interesting one. Unbelievable. Or Ovechkin or one of those guys that are just like McDavid. One of, I'm a huge That's my escape. Tottenham win the Premier League, I guess. I don't know. It's a good question. Send it in, fans. Tweet it. Tweet at us. What's something you want for Christmas that, you know, maybe on a championship level, what team you want a championship? And then, like, what player would you want on your main team? Like, if you had your Christmas stuff. You had to read, write a list of Santa. It's a great question. I just came up with it. That's why you're stumped. If you had to pick any car in the world, Jack, for Christmas, what would it be? Any car? I don't know. I'm not really a car person. I know. I could tell. A Lamborghini? I don't really know. The different... You would sell it and then buy tractor equipment with it. <laughs> <laughs> I probably want a boat. I'd go for a boat. Yeah. Flyers are on fire, Jack. Fire. How's Sixers doing? They're doing. They had a tough loss to the Bulls the other night. Joel Embiid has been playing at a ridiculous pace, but they've also just been playing the three worst teams in the in the league on just a rotation for that past period. They're not, I mean, it's nothing bad. I mean, they're doing everything they need to be doing. It was just a tough game against Chicago. They could bounce back. I'm not too worried about it, but they're just, the thing about this team is they give me very reminiscent vibes. Of, I'm trying to think of a good kind of example. Almost the Phillies team this past year, where like, yeah, they might have not been the most, stacked roster even though they weren't not stacked or whatever you know what i mean like they were a very good roster the vibes of this team like it's just all of the quotes coming out about this organization how close they are how everybody's buying in everybody's excited to come in and go to work they like working with these guys they just like everything about it the offense is great it's flowing there's nothing negative to it whatsoever that's what makes me like this team so much more than I have previous years. Granted, I, I told you we were walking. I remember we were walking this to the San Bernardino tailgate. I'm like, I'm not going to buy in this year. I know I'm not going to do it. I've been bought in. Here and- he is. Back in the bag. <laughs> Flyers. Uh, my dad watched the game last night, which is a little sentimental tear for me because he brought me into the Flyers and he checked out quickly. And now I'm like a diehard and he's like, see you, son. 
We're not going to share this. I'm not watching this team and being heartbroken anymore. So a uh, big Phillies fan. And we share that together for sure. So no, I, uh, it's, I'm just, they're, they're my escape. You know, we, we do so much stuff, you know, you do a ton of stuff. We all do in this world. And like, I'm a, as a player, I don't like a, Eagles or me aren't escape. It's work. Like I watch every game for work when football season ends. I'm just like, Oh, like I'm just literally like gassed for like 48 hours. And I'm like, why? And everyone's like, dude, your central nervous system's on buzz. Like I all day Sunday, I'm taking notes to my phone. I just can't, I just can't not do it on Monday, Sunday. So Flyers winners of nine straight playing great. My team, Tottenham Flyers and Tottenham, Tottenham's in the premier league. They're doing great. So excited, man. Exciting stuff. Listen, sorry for just boring you for the last 30 minutes. I appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, a lot of MFL heavy, like like always, and, and uh, we're gonna do shows like this once a week, and then I'll have an interview once a week for people to listen that want a more evergreen, listen all the time type stuff. Who do we have coming out this week, Jack? We have Coach Dan Casey. Coach Dan Casey, this guy's fantastic. This is not the opening for that, but Coach Dan Casey's great. Like for football nerds out there that want to hear football stuff, real football, not like, oh, you can't make that throw, and he's gonna make that play. Well, why did he not make it? And then once you figure out why he didn't make it, then go deeper diver. Why is that call right now? Why do you do it? That's where the enjoyment is. I know it's hard. And I know it's been my life and profession for a long time, but everything's excellent. Everything is excellent. Hope everyone has an amazing holiday. Please be safe. Uber, don't drink and drive. Jack, have a great holiday, my friend. I appreciate you as long as the rest of our team and not for long media. Fantastically blessed to have all you in my life. Here's to a new year. We'll probably do an episode maybe next week. Who knows? Appreciate everybody tuning in. Thanks to our sponsors, the Original Fudge Kitchen, Wild Advisory Services. Merry Christmas, Jack. Merry Christmas. Colin Thompson, NFL tight end, not for long media. You guys have come to hear what he has to say after these Eagles games. Many of them have been positives, but the last three weeks, Colin Thompson, it has been a disaster for this team, specifically offensively. Kevin Clark said, the quarterback is broken. Are you looking at the same thing when you watch this offense? Is he the main culprit of this Eagles offense taking a three-week uh, siesta? I don't think Jalen Hurts is anywhere near broken, but I do think he has grown out of the current offensive system he is in. He's been playing this system for a very, very, very long time. And he's super smart. He can read coverage. I know everyone's like, what do you mean? He threw those picks last night. But he can read pre-snap coverage. He knows where to get the ball. You know, bubble screen here if there's too many players playing the run defense, right? Like last night when the QB draw play that C-Mac hit on, right? He should have, there was The box was kind of weak. He really shouldn't have thrown the bubble to the outside. But I digress. To my point, it's not broken, no. But I think it's time to get him in that kind of West Coast offense like you and I have talked about, Mike, where – we're under center, the play action pass, pop up for a quick run game. He's got the athletically when you boot naked bootleg by yourself uh, to get to the edge. Like to me, I think it's the maturity of the offense now has to change. I think he's not a, a dynamic enough thrower consistently to be in this offense, like a Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen who have played in these offenses. And you've seen them struggle too. So I think a little bit of West Coast, under center, fullback, bigger tight ends, play action pass. Let's try to find a way to look like the Niners, the Vikings, the Dolphins as quick as possible offensively. Those type of systems, I think that's going to lead to less mistakes, bigger plays, and more not as much on his shoulders because everything right now is on his shoulders. And when you talk about those three teams, the Vikings, Miami, 
um, the Rams, San Fran, like the quarterbacks are a big piece, but he's not the main piece. Uh, Colin Thompson, the Colin Thompson show on not for long media. Um, I'm sure you've seen this bite by now with your former teammate, uh, Christian McCaffrey. He's on the Manning cast last night. So a lot of fans are just, you know, using this as an indictment on the offense. I want to get your opinion of him seeing the formation and basically calling the play out immediately. Uh, is that a cause for concern when you see here's an offensive player sees that formation and knows exactly what's coming? What does that tell you? Well, we saw it with Tony Romo when he jumped into the booth, right? Pretty quickly. Like, if you're relevant in this league and you watch enough football like C-Mac does, like Tony does, and when I was with the team, I watched so much. I still watch a bunch now, but it's hard when you don't have the clicker and uh, all this film and tape at your fingertips all the time. To me, it's not really that big of a deal. Uh, everyone's, well, what do you mean? Well, listen, if the Niners are under center, yeah, you have no idea what they're doing. But if you're in the shotgun and there's a tight end that's really deep in the formation, meaning – He's going to be looking like he's coming across the formation. There's only so many things you can do. They're in that bunch kind of bubble formation. He should have flipped the bubble because there's only two guys out there guarding the bubble. That's the conversation I want, and that's what I love coming on the show because that's the read. It's like Jalen. They were dropping the safety down in the box in the run game. They were bringing an extra hat that we couldn't block. We we're going to bring Dallas across to block that guy. Well, they brought the safety in to make the play, and he made the tackle. Like, Why aren't you flipping the ball out to the three-by-one bubble look? That's my question. You That's get, what I would you, ask. Are you watching them last night thinking there's been so much talk about motion or lack thereof, and they just decided to do it to be like, you want motion, we'll throw it in. But a lot of it just had no rhyme or reason. It happened early on. The Boston Scott, he kind of motioned yeah, down and blocked on that bubble. all over the place, but nothing was really happening. The first drive, Mike was like, all right, let's listen to everybody – on sports talk and be like, uh, okay, here's what our run, our plays are going to be. And it worked. It's like, Hey, we're going to run the ball, play with some tempo, simple throws. You know, I think the, the, the bubble screens that Dallas Goddard, I, I know probably fans are probably pulling their hair out. I, I get why they're doing it. I don't know why maybe there's so much volume to it. I would have Dallas blocking for Devonte instead of the opposite. Um, so, you know, I, I think you they're think? trying to make it work. You think what's up? You think? Yeah. I mean, but I get, I get it. But like at the end of the day, like, that's the offense, right? We're going to spread people out. Jalen's going to make the read, and we're going to either quarterback run. We're going to RPO. Like, I get that. And it's had success. It's boom or bust. But when things are wrong and Jalen's not healthy, or he's sick as a dog, too. Like, let's be real. Like, he flew his own plane across the country. That's a bigger deal than people think. And then you're on the road, stinky, cold environment. I know people, I don't want the excuses. But, like, if we Eagles were on a win streak and lost that game, everybody would use those excuses, right? They'd be like, listen. Everything's excellent. Good point. It's a tough place to play. Your quarterback played tough. We were in the game, and Drew Locke had the freaking drive of his life. Seattle's got some good pieces. But what? Because we're on a skid, you have to use different excuses. Like, call a spade a spade. Don't be emotional. Focus on the intent of it. And the bottom line is, for Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, is they're on a skid. Is the world ending? No. Is, I think, truly, best thing to happen to him. Because now they really got to focus on like what we do well. And I've always said it, you got to strip the playbook down. You got to be creative. You got to listen to outside answers. We'll see what happens. Uh, Colin Thompson uh, from the Colin Thompson show, not for long media. You've been on a team where the coordinator was fired in the middle of the season. Um, I believe the head coach was also, were you on the team when rule got fired? 
Were you on that team? Still? I was on the team when Rule got fired. I was on the team when Joe Brady got fired, our offensive coordinator. Back to so two years, I've been a part of two firings. Now that's a different situation. I know it's a little apples to oranges. Carolina, unfortunately, while you were there, it was not very good. Philadelphia is ten and three. So, what do you make of a coordinator change, if you will? I don't know if they're officially calling it that, but the play caller got changed, which is a bizarre situation in itself at this stage of the season where the play caller, the former play caller is still on the staff and a part of the game plan, a weird situation. But does that, if you're in that Eagles locker room and that happens, does this scream panic? It's a great question, Mike. I mean, I'll be bluntly honest. I have been. Sean Desai is a friend of mine. So this is where it gets really tough. I mean, he's one of my favorite people in football period. He's super smart. He's, you know, he's a local temple Northeast guy. He's you saw what what Troy what Troy Aikman had to say with him, and you heard about what he said last night of like this guy's a team player. Like the guy didn't say a word. We talked to him for 45 minutes and he said nothing. You would there was no difference. So ton of respect there. Matt Patricia, ton of respect there. The guy's had great defenses. Like you could say what you want about him, but he's had great those New England defenses were really good. So listen, it's you can't fire players especially ones that are making a lot of money and who's on the street to bring in behind them. So in this league, coaches get fired. Front office members get fired, but you can't fire players. So that's what this product is, right? Like we don't know what to do. You got to mix it up. And I'm sure there's pressure from all different angles uh, on whoever that person was that made that call. Nick Sirianni said he was the one that made that call and he could very well be, but that's his guy. He, you know, they, they wanted him in the building. So it's a really tough situation, Mike, because I know Sean personally. I know how hard he works. Uh, it hasn't worked out this year for whatever reason. I personally always think it's Jimmy's and Joe's on X's and O's. Players yeah, well, don't get enough You know, Sean, and I know you have a personal relationship, so it might be tougher to answer the question. However, there were some thoughts that the guy is really smart, that he just doesn't carry himself with confidence, and that that was – the players were kind of seeing that. That was what some of the reporting was. Does that sound like it makes sense? That, hey, this guy's a really smart guy, but maybe. But Andy Reid's kind of quiet. You're right on it, Mike. I mean, you're not wrong. You might be really, really, really smart in coming up with designs and calls, but like having to think that fast sometimes, maybe it's, I don't know. I mean, that, that's a, like. No, no, I hear you. Defense is straightforward, though. You can only run so much. I'll be honest with you. Like everybody oh, wants to I, like, I, I, like I said, how many different calls can you have on deal? Like how many different elaborate calls no, are there? I mean, you, you, no, you know, you don't. Maybe you disguise a coverage and you drop a safety down. Like Brian Flores and that cover zero, like chaos that New England used to have. They have a lot, a lot. But like not what Sean's defense is, is Ben don't break cover two. My thing too, like that last drive, corners are struggling. Great. We drop down a single high safety and bring the safety down to, to guard the back out of man-to-man, and, like, we get torched over the top. Like, to me, like, let's help those guys out. Let's run some cover, too. You know a deep shot hurts you. Like, let's make Drew Locke complete four, five, six passes to get in with, like, 30 seconds left instead of, like, one. So, yeah. I actually, I on know, my man, paper here, third and ten, I have written down on my paper, third and ten, 56 seconds, sit and cover, two, please. You're, you're putting yeah, Bradbury right? out like, there by himself, and he's having a rough night at the office. By the way, he's had a rough kind on of, that drive where Bradley Roby had no idea what the play was. He's looking around like with his hands up. He's playing zone. The rest of the team's playing man. 
I mean, it looked like a lot of mixed communication. And I think that's a result of so many different guys out there. Sometimes when you lose early in the season, Mike, it's a blessing because a lot of things get revealed. And when you win, it may get brought up, but you don't have that anxiety, that burn. That's why I like Brady and like Jordan. And I think, and I've had people give me smack, you know, crap about this. I think Jalen's that's got that same DNA of like unemotional. I'm dialed in. I'm a warrior. It doesn't matter about results. Like we don't know how sick he was. Mm-hmm. There's some people that miss work. This guy's flying on a private plane in Seattle, playing in freezing cold rain in the loudest environment in the NFL. Okay. Yep. So like I get it. There's cause for concern. But at the end of the day, like you got the got right guy at quarterback. People don't want to hear that, but I think you do. Uh, you said concern. That's the word you use. Comments from players, the locker room. You got AJ Brown spouting out on social media today. Eh, not a great look. When you start to see that, is that cause for concern? What did AJ say? Uh, he's going at it with fans, saying just, fans think they know. Uh, he. he he basically was six plays uh, was a shot play to him, and someone's saying, "Well, then if that's the case, Jalen is is a one read guy." I mean, and, no, and AJ, you... my producer has more context on that. Go ahead. Yeah, so a lot of stuff we can't say on the radio, but essentially, someone said that <laughs> AJ and Jalen, <clears throat> excuse me, AJ and Jalen were playing buddy ball, and then he goes on to say, "Y'all fans swear y'all know everything. It's a shot play to me. I'm the first read. Yeah. He just missed the throw. Of course, we would have threw it to Devonte. He said six because it didn't work out, but when the bleep works, everyone is happy. Quick, quit He's all right. that bloody ball bleep. I am decoys on many plays, then went on to say, and all that he forcing me the ball bleep too, I'm in his head bull bleep. <laughs> uh, when I make plays, everyone's happy, but when it's incomplete, it's I'm making him throw me the ball. I get blamed for more bleep than anything. Tired of y'all playing with my character. Well, first off, amazing read there with the bleeps on radio. Fantastic work. And then secondly, he's dead right. Everyone's like, oh, the throw by Jalen Hurts when Quez Walk. Like, listen, that's the read. Single high safety. Quez has got to go make that play or at least grab that guy and throw him down. Now, he did pull him forward. That's kind of a tough play. You're running full speed. Guy's running like a 4-2, and he's getting pulled forward. Like, I don't know. Listen, it's your job to make the play. My point is, he's 100% right, guys. Like, if it's man-to-man coverage and it's a – like, there could be a whole pass concept over here. But if, if it's man-to-man coverage and press man and it's the number one receiver, the coaches are teaching you to throw that ball, whatever that may be. I don't know I don't exactly know what he's talking the, about. I'm not saying that the, the there's an argument of whether he's right or wrong. It's just when you start to see players getting into it with fans yeah. on social media, you hear nah. last night Hurts say we're not committed, all this stuff. I mean, does that say this is a team that started – like you had no issues with this team essentially last year in the first 10 weeks of the season. It was like this team really likes each other. It's a perfect mix. And now all of a sudden, this. It's a great question, Mike. I think it's all just whatever, personally. I really do. I know Philly fans, emotional, which makes you the best. I went in Carolina. We lost six in a row. No one said a word. They booed us off our last one game, and everyone was like, why are they booing us? I'm like, are you serious? In Philly, they're freaking out if there's one, if there's an interception in Quez Watson's direction, and they're wanting to get the guy off the team, right? Uh, But yeah, like, so to me, Mike, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Let me leave you with this. I just watch this. Everyone calm down. Do you see a team that has fixable problems or? More concerning hearing and seeing what you saw the last three weeks. I mean, poor Danny over there says he doesn't want to watch Christmas. He doesn't want to ruin his Christmas night. What he says, after what I've seen, why should I even watch? 
Is this fixable or should he sit and watch the game on Christmas and enjoy it? Oh, I mean, this is what makes it fun now for Christmas. Like the drama's through the roof. Like they got to play well. So that's going to make it fun. The guys are going to show up and play. Listen, I'm a biggest fan of this team. I have been. And listen, they've, they've lost. They went three and three against this really good stretch, right? I get it. At the end of the day, they put three good games together here. Okay, great. But what's the difference? You just got to get in the dance. And they're already in the dance. They're in the playoffs. So we'll see how things go week one of the playoffs. I hate to say it, but you could be a completely different team in the regular season in the playoffs. Mike and I talked about it on our show today. The bottom line is get to the playoffs, get in. And lastly, Mike, I'll leave you with this to discuss by yourself with your fans. Why don't we celebrate when teams make the playoffs like locker rooms and coaches like the MLB does? Like, you know how hard it is to get through an NFL season just standing upright? And if you're standing upright and you still have a job, why don't we celebrate and get the champagne and the beers flowing like the like with the goggle? Like, why not? What's the difference? Why, when I'm you lose, everyone's like packing their bags and we're rolling. I'm going to start a business. You can hire my business. We'll roll in the champagne and the beers into NFL locker rooms when they make the playoffs. I'm in, Mike. You know, I'll do the consuming. <laughs> I'll just do the consuming. You just do the rolling. Uh, Colin Thompson show on not for long media check out their social media platform and all their shows and Colin here on the sports bash Merry Christmas to you and your family and happy new year I will talk to you sometime in 2024 you're the best Mike appreciate you having me on Merry Christmas to everyone listening and uh, thanks for having me man I love doing the show as always we'll talk to Colin in the new year get you ready for the playoffs For you to come back home.